0: Hello and welcome to our podcast series on how to improve elections from the Electoral Integrity Project. Each episode features a new idea on how to improve elections based on academic research. My name is Toby James and I co-direct the Electoral Integrity Project with Holly Ann Garnett. Uh, And this time we're delighted to have with us Jan Eichhorn from the University of Edinburgh. Thank you Jan ever so much for taking the time out to be on, on the show. Nice to be here. So perhaps it makes sense for you to kind of give you, give yourself your own introduction, if you like, um, and perhaps also to say kind of how you got interested in elections in, in the first instance.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, So as I said, I'm uh, Jan Eichhorn. I work at the University of Edinburgh as a senior lecturer in social policy. I also co-founded and and co-direct a a non-profit think tank in Germany called Depart, in which we do research on political participation. That's something I've always been incredibly interested in, in. How do people participate? Why do they participate? And why do they not participate? And what their views are? And it was in 2012 in Scotland, while I was finishing my PhD, that I became very interested in, um, like many people in the Scottish independence referendum campaign. One of the things that happened was the lowering of the voting age to 16. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I heard about this idea before and want to know how it works. But there wasn't good data at all to study it. So that's where I became involved and was looking at, can can we organize projects to collect the necessary data to do these analyses? And well, nearly 10 years later, still going. (laughs)
0: Brilliant. Um, So, I mean, some people will remember the the debates back then about whether or not we should have uh, votes at 16, but I guess what were the arguments for lowering the voting age? What's the kind of problem uh, that this is designed to fix? We've had votes at 18 in most countries for, for many, many years. So what was kind of wrong with that in many ways?
1: There are two uh, key problems that that, that shape the debate. One is um, one about intergenerational justice. As we have aging societies, but a stable voting age, it means that the electorate shifts to an older voter base effectively, and the median age of the voter gets older and older, so politics, um, as sometimes argued, is mostly made for those older voters. And that is partially also for a second reason, and that is that younger people tend to participate less in elections. It's a quite common finding uh, in, in many, many countries that it's the youngest age group, kind of 18 to 24, 18 to 30, that tends to vote the least so one of the questions that that a lot of people have been asking is um is there a way to engage with this by getting young people to vote earlier and one of the reasons why that is is because we actually know that younger first-time voters even above the age of 18 vote more likely older young first-time voters so 18 and 19 year olds tend to turn out more than 20 to 21-year-old first-time voters. So there are certain ideas about the effects that early voting could have and the context that you live in at the time that, that might play into this. So there were people, for example, Mark Franklin in his 2004 book, who suggested, well, actually, if there is such an effect, and the context of your first voting experience matters, then lowering the voting age a bit might help create a stronger habit, a learning of voting earlier on. And that is one of the ideas in kind of practice of of how uh, why people became interested in studying this is there basically something that happens when we change the voting age
0: and so obviously the voting age did change in in scotland for the independence referendum um but how wide how widespread is this is it just scotland um are there other countries that have also kind of gone down this route as well
1: so yes scotland in a sense is um, is one of the, still, I would say, one of the early adopters uh, in the European context, but by far not the only one. So the most comprehensive votes at 16 reform in Europe was in Austria in 2007. Some of the sub states in Austria, the Länder, had already a reduction, but in 2007, Austria lowered the voting age for all elections at all levels. I mean, there are other places in Europe that, like Estonia, where it's also for the whole country, but they've only done it for municipal elections, effectively. You look at countries like Germany, which are similar to the UK in that they don't have a consistent voting age. So similar, Scotland lowered the voting age first for the independence referendum 2014, then all elections in Scotland, Scottish parliament elections, local elections 2015, Wales has just lowered the election for the Welsh Parliament in 2021. Uh, so we saw that for the first time. Uh, and that's similar in Germany. So you have in Germany an even more complicated structure, where some lender lowered the voting age for municipal elections, some for state elections, and some didn't lower it at all. So it's a really complicated structure. Malta has been a more recent adopter as well of a lower voting age. So there's a bit of a tendency. But, and that's really important, the pioneering countries are not in Europe. The first countries to lower the voting age to 16 are actually all in um, uh, Latin America. And the first country to ever do it was Cuba. And then we saw countries that did it together with democratic reforms. So they were part of a bigger package of democratic reforms. So we have countries like Brazil, for example, and more recently, countries like Argentina. And there are other countries in the south of America and finally there have been countries that experimented a bit with it in Norway for example there were experiments around municipal elections and in the United States there are some states that allow municipalities to vote on it so what we've seen is um, some um, towns in uh, Maryland uh, for example having lowered it. so it's it's interesting that we have debates in many many countries and campaigns at the moment going on in places like Canada um, as well as New Zealand kind of on different parts of the globe.
0: Brilliant, so much more widespread than probably many people would think. And you mentioned at the start there that one of the arguments was potentially this would give a voice to young people and, you know, um, increase participation. What What effects does the evidence kind of show that it actually has had?
1: So I think the most important thing in terms of the effects now that we have data and can study what actually happens rather than speculating about it is There's some variation between countries. But one thing we can say, we don't see negative effects. So that's really important, actually, to say because there were critics. Critics of the lowering of the voting age suggested it could actually depress turnout further if younger people turn out even less than the older ones, the counter idea. And to what I've said earlier. And uh, there were people who said young people will basically just vote like their parents and might be easily indoctrinated in schools and so on. Now pretty much all the evidence we have from a quite diverse range of countries suggests that these things aren't happening. So that's the really good news actually. But how positive the effect is varies. So in some countries we have seen a positive impact on voter turnout, actually, carried through to later years. So Mark Franklin did an analysis where he looked at Latin American countries and Austria and does note a positive effect in the longer term. But not in all countries are the effects equally strong. So for example, we saw bigger effects in Scotland in the first instance, for example, than we saw more recently in Wales when the voting age was lowered for the first time. And that has to do with how votes at 16 are introduced. So. In some countries, we do see positive effects on turnout. And and that is really interesting. We sometimes also see positive effects in terms of young people's political engagement outside of elections and things like demonstrations, petitions, civil initiatives. But that in particular is when votes at 16 is done in a way that it intersects with other factors that really, really help young people's political engagement. And civic education, for example, is one of the really important one, but also the work of civil society organisations, youth organizations uh, themselves as well, as how the media engages with these sorts of things. So votes at 16, kind of in a nutshell, pretty much no negative effects and the potential for quite positive effects, but how positive they are, depends on other factors. So votes at 16 isn't kind of like a magic bullet in its own right. It's something that needs to be seen intersecting with other things that we can study about young people's political socialisation and political engagement.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you. And, and I guess bringing it back to Scotland, were those things also seen in Scotland after having that initial referendum? Did, did those same patterns kind of come come through?
1: So absolutely. So in the Scottish context, we did see young people. For example, we did a study where we compared 16, 17-year-olds in Scotland with 16 and 17-year-olds in the rest of the UK who at that time couldn't vote, obviously. And we saw really big differences um, in a lot of things in political um, participation, but also how many different types of news sources, for example, uh, young people in Scotland consumed. And one of the big reasons why we saw these effects was because there was a big push, especially by youth organisations themselves, and that's really, really important, to engage young people, voter registration drives for example, and a lot of efforts by teachers to use schools as a place for civic education. But the important bit is not just learning, for example, how the voting system works, but as a space where people can discuss political issues. And that's one of the really important things, learning that you can discuss things, disagree with each other. What we then see when that happens is a really interesting thing in terms of how young people's socialization works in the household. Because Parents have an influence on young people. If your parents are more likely to vote, you're more likely to vote, for example. But what's really interesting is young people who feel more politically engaged are more likely to also influence their parents and talk to them. So we see more of an interaction rather than a one-way street. And that is one of the really important points to understand why votes at 16 might have a distinctive effect, why earlier voting does. Most 16 and 17-year-olds go to some form of school And most of them still live in kind of a classic kind of in in a home with parents, for example, or family in a broader instance, not all of them, but way more than in the kind of 18, 19, 20, 21 years where, you know, there often it's a period of massive change in people's lives with education, work, loads of different things. So if your first voting experience is one that happens when you are in an environment that is more socialized, where it's a more group experience in a sense, it's more likely that something happens, that there's a positive effect. Basically at 16, 17, for more young people, voting is a more collective communal experience than it would be at 18, 19, 20. And that is why you have places like schools, youth clubs, and so on, where you can have really big positive impacts that would be much harder to achieve at age 19, 20, when basically people have much more diverse paths and places where they are.
0: And so, so far, this is sounding overwhelmingly positive and that everyone should adopt votes at 16. But are there any kind of problems that this might or has caused or maybe situations in which this might not work for example
1: yes there there have been examples where we again we don't see negative effects but we definitely see basically not the full utilization of positive effects. Um, There are a few that stand out in particular, one that applies to Scotland. Civic education, which is a really important factor in this, is not uniform across Scotland. So each local authority got to decide, for example, how much the referendum could feature in schools. So some schools allowed to have political debates with opposing views, other schools allowed it to be discussed in the classroom, but only by students. In some schools, you basically weren't allowed to talk about the referendum much. <laughs> so that creates a huge amount of inequality, actually. So it's really important, so civic education isn't there. Second thing, timing is really important. When you, in Wales, for example, recently, we didn't see as many positive effects, partially because it happened during the pandemics, really tough time. But also the period from the introduction to the first time that 16, 17 year olds could vote was way too short to create these positive impacts, youth organizations becoming, there were loads of great initiatives. But not enough time to coordinate efforts, for example. There's a third element that can be quite problematic and that is when then political actors and media don't engage. So what is really necessary is also that politicians want to engage, and actually signal that young people are being taken seriously. When that happens, the effects are greater. When not, it can actually result in quite a bit of alienation. And finally, there's also the problem that actually, while we've seen positive effects in the Scottish context, for example, they're not as big as they could be, because when you have the sort of differential leveling, like here where young Scots can vote in Scottish elections, but then cannot vote in general elections for the UK Parliament. That is for many a really frustrating experience. Mm. This kind of feeling of I can do this but not that, and can actually result in alienation against kind of the UK political system. So there are quite a few factors that that come into it in, in those terms. Um, and, and maybe that's a final one that moves beyond the, the very empirical aspects, it's how the debate is run. So there are debates and proponents and opponents of votes at 16 bring this up, where we should critically think about, you know, what rights are conferred at what age? It's some rights are conferred at age 16. Other rights at age 80, that's normal. That happens. We have a mixed structure. But we should think carefully about this. What does that mean? And if that is not properly debated, you can see quite a bit of alienation and confusion. So that is a normative question. There isn't a right or wrong one there necessarily. But it needs to be taken seriously, and a good space needs to be provided. So when those things come together, the positive effects are more likely. When they don't come together, or more of them drop out, then we're not as likely to see these positive effects. And we definitely see variations between countries in terms of the the kind of uh, the quality basically of how well votes at 16 is implemented. And that's the final point to policymakers, but also activists. Getting votes at 16 into law is a good step, but that's not when the work stops. The work should then move on to kind of implementing it well.
0: Yeah, and I think with my election administration interest and and hat on here, I I could see how, in the case of Scotland, where there's two different franchises, there's, you know, votes, a 16-year-old able to vote in a Scottish parliamentary election, uh, but not able to vote in a UK general election. That can cause quite a lot of extra work for the administrators maintaining those two electoral registers there as well. So who should be implementing this? I mean, is it basically every country subject to those, you know, those important conditions you're setting out um, is it a universal this is it something universal i mean democracy is often said to be a universal principle um so is it equally the case that everyone really should be implementing votes at 16.
1: so based on the countries where we've studied it so far i would say probably yes um, we obviously don't know whether there are particular contexts in which it would work differently but the evidence that we have from Latin America, Europe, and a little bit North America, which are the main places where we've seen implementation of it, there are similarities in, in those outcomes in the way that I've described. So overall, yes. And that is partially because one of the big criticisms against votes at 16 that's often leveled is that you know, 16, 17-year-olds might not have you know, sufficient knowledge. They don't know as much. And it's typically true. 16, 17-year-olds, on average, know a little less factual things about politics than slightly older people on average. It's not a gigantic gap necessarily, but that typically is a little bit of the gap. But there's a big problem with that line of argument, and that is the causality. Because what we see is when 16 and 17 year olds get the vote and it's implemented well, that usually is a trigger to gain more information and more knowledge. So it actually works the other way around if we think about it. There's also a more normative question where we could say, well, we don't pass you don't have to pass a knowledge test at later ages and so on but even if i took that argument at, at kind of face value it we need to think about the causality the other way around votes at 16 can be a positive trigger to engage young people more if implemented well so i'm obviously you know you never know democracies work different in different contexts in different cultural contexts they relate to the economic system so there are loads of complexities but based on the evidence we have now, there's no reason to suggest that votes at 16 had negative outcomes, but there is that positive potential. So I would say, yes, it, it's, it's, it's a good idea. Yeah.
0: And I guess um, one final question there is why 16 as opposed to, to 15 or 14? Is there something particular about that number or that age, or, or is it dependent on a, a country and the particular rights, other rights that they're given at that moment in time?
1: It's an excellent question, and one that more and more campaigners are asking about. You might some people might have seen initiatives about voting age zero or voting age six, <laughs> um, and, and different things. And there's a good question about it. Sixteen is as arbitrary as other ages. Any any age delineation is arbitrary to some extent, of course. There are quite a few campaigners who argue for votes at sixteen because they see it as something that can be implemented, but actually wish for a lower voting age. So in Germany, some of the campaigns are focusing on voting age 14, actually. But there there are two good reasons for voting age 16. The first one is that for in countries like the uk germany um, in a lot of countries that is still an age where a lot of young people live with their parents and are in some form of education so you do capture them If that is the decisive socializing thing then it's young enough so to speak to to reach uh people around this this age because most places you don't just have election every four years you have elections in between local elections state elections so there is more stuff going on so there's an argument that 60 might be enough to see some of these effects in the first place. Although others say, if you really want to do comprehensively, that's why you might go for 14. The second point is, There are quite a lot of rights conferred in a lot of countries to 16-year-olds, not all rights, but some rights. So it allows for this discussion, and it might have a greater degree of social acceptability if we talk about 16. And legitimacy goes two ways. It is towards a group that might be underrepresented in politics, like young people, but obviously it needs to be seen as legitimate in the broader part of the population, which isn't the same as to say the population needs to think it's a good idea. So, for example, in Scotland, and we've seen this in other countries as well, Um, Only about 30% uh, back in 2011 were in favor of lowering the voting age, roughly the same across the UK at that point. After the implementation of vote 16, this shot up to 50% support in the general population, I mean, and then it has gone up even at a peak to about 60%. So this is quite interesting. I've talked earlier about young people's experience with this, but it's actually very interesting that the Scottish public, on average, also shifted in their views once they saw young people engaged in this process. So basically, we saw at the peak up to a doubling of the support for votes at 16. So that's why I'm saying the argument that public opinion might not be on it at the moment isn't the same as questioning the le- legitimacy. I can disagree with things and still find them legitimate and votes at 16 is something that yeah, some people might feel negative about in principle. But most people wouldn't think uh, that is you know undermining a democratic system at all. So therefore, I think that is one of the reasons why Votes at 16 is is kind of an accept- more acceptable idea as well, but one that allows us to potentially harness those positive effects um, if they're done. So I think that is why it's a, a compromise, but I will say that there are campaigns out there that are pushing for lower voting ages, mm. that's
0: Brilliant, thank you. Um, and finally, where can we find out more? I understand there might be a book about this.
1: I'm uh, always uh, very happy. Thank you for asking. So, there is a book, uh, I can hold it up here, um, that um, I've worked on with a lot of collaborators. Um, So, my Uh, co-collaborator Johannes Berg uh, from from Oslo, uh, the Social Science Research Institute there. He and I, we edited uh, this book with contributors from loads of different countries. So it was because we don't have good comparative research, but we at least wanted to bring together in one place the experiences from countries where research on this happened. So we have uh, chapters in the book with case studies from Latin America, from the US, from Norway, some of those experiments, but also Germany, Scotland, Austria. And we try to bring this together there, and we see a growing body of literature of people who've written articles. There was a really good um, special issue in parliamentary affairs um, where Johannes and I wrote about the comparative work, but there were other colleagues, Christine Hübner writing about Scotland, uh, our colleagues Andy Mycock, Thomas Loughran, uh, writing about the bigger picture of lowering of the voting age and questions what that has for local politics. So loads and loads of others. Um, So there's a growing body of literature around this internationally. And I should say, there's some really exciting efforts by campaigning groups to also not just run campaigns, but provide resources and resource repositories. So for example, the Um, Votes at 16 campaign in the United States has a website with materials that uh, one can look up and kind of also accessible briefing papers. um, But also they have materials in there um, that look more specifically at kind of how campaigns might engage. Um, And there are other campaigns that do similar things um, in in other countries. So just to say that there is quite a range of materials uh, both on the academic side and maybe the more practical side.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you. And just, just so we get it again, the title of the book was the title of the book
1: is, uh, learning the voting age to 16 learning from your experiences worldwide. I'm not great with creative title. It really on the <laughs> Well, it
0: says it says what it is. That's perfect. Available, available from Palgrave from all good bookshops though. So there you go. Yeah. And thank you ever so much. Fascinating insights there. And also hopefully very helpful for, for people thinking about ways to improve elections. So, Thank you. Thanks.